G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A focus today on having hope through hardship. Coronavirus has caused heartache for families in Australia and around the world who've lost loved ones to the pandemic and the pain of the economic fallout affecting the hopes and aspirations of families is likely to continue for months and even years ahead. Well, our special guest today knows about hope in the midst of hardship. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tarder. She has made it her life's ministry to help people identify hope through hardship. As a teenager, Johnny enjoyed things like horse riding and hiking, tennis and swimming. But in 1967, she misjudged the shallowness of the water in Chesapeake Bay in the United States, fracturing lower parts of her spine and suffering injuries that left her a quadriplegic, paralysed from the shoulders down. Through unimaginable hardships, she has since written 48 books about disability and Christianity, Johnny's also recorded several musical albums. She's starred in an autobiographical movie of her life and is known around the world as an advocate for people with disabilities. She is our special guest today, Johnny Erickson Tarder, live on the line from her home in California in the US. Johnny, a special welcome along to 2020. Oh, thank you for having me on, Neil, and... uh Special greetings to all my friends there in Australia listening over um, Vision Christian Radio. I'm so honoured to be asked to be on. Johnny, so many Aussies will know your name and they'll know your thoughts, they'll know your story. In fact, when I said I'm having Johnny Erickson Tarter on the radio, my wife said, oh, I read one of her books as a teenager. So you are well known in Australia and lots of listeners will know your story. Let me just, though, start our conversation. You've been sharing about hope through hardship for 40 years now. This is really the central understanding that you've been able to bring so beautifully to your listeners and those who follow you all around the world. Well, thank you. And uh, I must say, at the top of this uh, time together, Neil, your your wife makes me feel old. My goodness. (laughs) But I... I do have many memories of times when we visited Australia many years ago, a couple of times, several times, and Brisbane, Sydney, it was just a Melbourne, it was a wonderful experience, and I have great affection and great love for the people of Australia. But, but Neil, you're right, my whole life has been all about sharing hope through hardship, because for uh, 53 years I have lived in a wheelchair as a quadriplegic. My hands don't work. My feet don't walk. I have battled uh, stage three cancer twice. Um, I live daily with chronic pain. And Neil, as you can imagine, life is hard, but 
I think all of our listeners would identify. We all have disabilities. They come at us in all shapes and sizes. Um, but the Bible has been a constant source of hope and help to me. Even, even now, when I am at my lowest and struggle against depression. Johnny, you are invited to be a part of all sorts of advisory boards. You have a particular role now in the United States, uh, advising, I think it's with the State Department, uh, around people with disabilities and those who are ageing. I wonder if you've got some perspectives on older people and those with disabilities going through the current challenges, COVID-19. Well, thank you, Neil. Yes, I did serve under Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice uh, on the Disability Advisory Committee to the State Department. But now, apart from my work at Johnny and Friends, I serve as a commissioner on the National Coronavirus Recovery Commission. Uh, This is a think tank in Washington, D.C., where the rest of of the commissioners and myself uh, provide policy input to decision makers in Congress and in business, state, local governments, federal government. And of course, as you just mentioned, Neil, my particular expertise has to do with representing the challenges and the needs of people with disabilities and the elderly uh, during this coronavirus. How can we safeguard their lives? How can we help them come up and out of this very difficult pandemic? And how can we protect them in the future? I was listening to your last last guest, and I know that the situation in Australia is different than in the United States, but I think that our government and even state and local governments have made some wise decisions regarding uh, shelter-in-place orders for the elderly. Perhaps some of our listeners uh, have read the horrific news reports of the vast numbers of seniors who have lost their lives in nursing homes during this pandemic. And uh, we want to make certain that in the future there are tight safeguards in place so that our elderly people, uh, those who are most vulnerable, uh, the most fragile, the medically fragile, the disabled, are protected. And, And we do not want decision makers in Congress to forget their special needs or to overlook them. So... Uh, I'm serving on that commission to uh, work with uh, the the final reports that we're going to be giving senators and congressmen, as well as business leaders, local communities, municipalities, governors across the U.S. on uh, how they can ensure the safety of our seniors and people with disabilities for uh, for the next pandemic. Oh my goodness! I hope it doesn't come anytime too soon. But should it be on the horizon, we want to be prepared. Johnny, lots of our listeners will know someone who has a disability or know someone who's aged and particularly affected by the social lockdowns that have happened, not just in, you know, in our nation, but in your nation too. I wonder whether you can reflect on how people with a disability uh, have been able to cope and can have the courage and the resilience to go on coping, because we're not out of the woods yet under this current COVID-19 crisis. How do you think people with a disability have to be especially attentive to how they can get some coping mechanisms in place? Well, that's a great question, Neil. 
because it has been extremely difficult for people with disabilities, not only in America, but I'm sure in Australia. You may have heard that the federal government in the United States uh, provided a, a very uh, generous stimulus package and unemployment benefits for those who have lost their jobs. But for the many caregivers who assist people with disabilities, those unemployment benefits are more generous than what they receive through what are called in-home support service monies from the state. And so people with disabilities have been losing their personal care attendance because it's just not financially worthwhile for these people to work for a paycheck. Uh, they instead are receiving a more generous unemployment check in the unemployment line. Now, something's wrong with that picture. And so uh, people with disabilities have been, uh, we've been coming together, we've been writing uh, the government, we've been uh, struggling to help uh, them hear our voices. But all in all, people with disabilities are, for the most part, incredibly resilient. Um, I know, Neil, that, for instance, I was hospitalized for almost two years. That's a long time to be in a hospital. So in a way, for me to be sequestered for what's going on eight weeks now, and I don't live in a large house. My husband and I live in a small single-story home in Southern California, and uh, we've, got a, we've got a tiny square footage here, but I, I'm content because the Lord Jesus has just given me much contentment as he has my friends with disabilities who are acclimated to living with constraints and restrictions. So the disability population is pretty resilient. My heart goes out, however, to our seniors, many of whom are uh, in assisted living centers who cannot see their families. And we have been asking uh, our state governor here in California to quickly open up uh, these institutions and assisted care centers so that these precious elderly friends can be reunited with their families. Of course, Neil, you would agree, all of us, whether we live in Australia or whether we live in America, Europe, wherever, uh, we have to take personal moral responsibility for um, practicing good safety protocols when we are out and about. My husband went to the market recently and he was dismayed to see that many shoppers are not wearing masks and they're not observing the the six-foot distance between themselves and other shoppers. And this kind of irresponsibility, I'm afraid, may set the stage for a, quote, government uh, reaction, such as your last guest was speaking about, uh, an overreach of government authority. So in order to stave that off, uh, all of us as individual citizens, whether Americans or Australians, really need to take personal responsibility when we are out and about to observe good safety protocols. It's just, it's just paramount right now if we're going to be uh, planning properly for the future. Johnny, lots of good things to talk about. I have a question that I'm asking listeners today, and they can respond on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. The question asks... A sort of question which is a hard one to answer, and I like to give some cryptic-type questions. Uh, Sometimes there's no necessarily right or wrong answers, but the question I'm asking listeners today, is there anything else that matters when it's hard to breathe? 
I know you have been talking about when it's hard to breathe of recent times, and we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. I should just mention, too, that uh, Johnny Erickson Tata is also a recording artist, and I've got a couple of songs lined up here, and we'll uh, play one of those right now, and we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation. But this is Johnny Erickson Tata, Alone Yet Not Alone, and we're back with more in just a short while. I'm alone, yet not alone God's the light that will guide me home With His love and tenderness Leading through the wilderness And wherever So mighty is his shield, or his love is now revealed. When my steps are lost and desperate for a guide, I can feel his touch, a soothing presence. Second, when on my own, I can leave. 
Ericsson Tada, who is our special guest live this hour. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Johnny Erickson Tarder, live on the line from her home in California in the US. Johnny, I'm asking our listeners today if they'll respond to a question, a Facebook poll that we've got running right now. Is there anything else that matters when it's hard to breathe? You've been there, no doubt, many times, and just of recent times you've been reflecting on what it is for being hard to breathe. And I know that in coronavirus, those who are sufferers, because it's a respiratory infection, they know what it is to find it hard to breathe. I wonder if you've got any thoughts on our question that we're asking listeners to respond to. Well, Neil, this is one reason why my husband, Ken Tata, virtually stands by the front door of our home like a fierce bear and no one dare come in the house unless uh, they've had a shower, they've changed clothes, they've washed their cans, they're wearing a mask, they take off their shoes. Because Ken knows, my husband knows, that uh, being a quadriplegic of 50-some-odd years, it is extremely difficult for me to breathe. I don't know if uh, our listening friends can hear it even now in my voice, but uh, I have very limited lung capacity. And I will be quite honest, Neil, one of the, one of the uh, biggest personal fears I struggle with is not being able to breathe. I have to go on a breathing machine at night, and it helps me to breathe to keep enough oxygen in my system. And I have often thought, oh, my goodness, if I got this coronavirus, I have prayed, Lord Jesus, help me to be faithful, help me to persevere, most of all, help me not to become anxious or worrisome. Because when you think about it, um, the only thing that is worse than, than uh, dying from a, a terrible coronavirus that attacks your lungs, the only thing worse than that is dying without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so uh, this is why um, many of my friends, uh, people who are suffering right now, how awful it would be if they indeed... Uh, contracted this coronavirus, and it were nothing more than a dark preview of an eternity in hell without Jesus Christ. They need the truth. They need the gospel. And so I think this is a time for our listening friends, myself included, to be vigilant in prayer, to ask God for, for national revival in Australia and in America and elsewhere, global revival, and be bold for the Lord Jesus Christ. Rather than just saying, God bless you in a note, be bold with the name of Jesus. Help people to see that the only thing worse than not being able to get your breath is to not breathe in Jesus, the breath of your very life. He is the breath of life. And uh, so I-, I don't know if I will contract this coronavirus. Um, I have no idea, but I do know one thing, Neil. I am preparing even now for that very challenging time should it occur. I want to be found faithful. I don't want to be anxious. Uh, I don't want to be worried. I want to be relaxed and know that if it is that opportunity, if it's that time, God calls me home. So I'm going to take my last breath and wake up on the other side of eternity standing. Oh my goodness, I haven't stood up in 53 years. I'm going to be standing 
uh, on the celestial shores of, of heaven and uh, that, that marvelous city on a hill. So, so I, I'm telling as many friends that I know who don't know Jesus, you, you don't want to get this virus if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Johnny, a lot of people say that coronavirus is a wake-up call, uh, not for any other reason than that it has alerted us to the fact that we are ourselves mortal, that one day we'll all die. And for those who are thinking of you know, being short of breath, the idea of dying of coronavirus is not an attractive thing for any of us. Dying any time is not an attractive thing, but the idea of basically drowning is what happens, as I understand it, when you contract a coronavirus and your lungs give out and you can't breathe anymore. This idea of recognizing that there is hope because what's on the other side of this life, as you say, Johnny, so beautifully, you can hardly wait to take those first steps. This is something that is so much power in the present when we recognize that God has our future worked out even beyond our dying. He does, Neil. And you know, I once almost did drown to death when I took that dive in the shallow water as a teenager. I was face down in the water for, for quite some time, holding my breath, hoping that my sister would notice uh, she was some distance from me. I was hoping that she would notice that I was in trouble. I needed help. I needed to be rescued. I needed to be turned right side up in the water so I could get a breath. But I, I knew she was some distance away. And Neil, I don't know how to describe it. I knew I was going to drown to death in that instant unless my sister rescued me. I, re- I recall before I took that dive that she had her back turned to me and was wading in the shallow end of the water up toward the sandy beach. I knew she didn't even see me take that dive. And yet God gave me, at that instant right before I drowned to death, a strange and wonderful dying grace. I had the most amazing peace that settled over my heart. Little did I know at that very instant my sister who did not see me, a crab bit her toe. She turned around in the water and saw me. She wanted to scream to me to watch out for crabs, and of course she noticed immediately I was in trouble. And within uh, seconds, she was by my side just as I began to inhale water and drown. And uh, I look back on that, and I thank God that it gave me, it gave me a kind of preview of what will happen if indeed I do drown to death from coronavirus, God, I, I am convinced he'll give me that same, what I like to call, quote, dying grace. Uh, there'll be a peace that passes all understanding if I would but settle my heart and yield my spirit to the Lord Jesus and his sovereign control over my life. And again, that's the joy of um, knowing Christ that intimately and that personally. Johnny, The only thing that matters is being right with God in that moment that you may drown. And we're all in the drowning boat if we were catching coronavirus. We're going to continue our conversation after Vision National News. Our very, very special guest this hour is Johnny Erickson Tarder. Johnny Erickson Tarder, just before the news, we were talking about drowning. Uh, This idea that coronavirus has given us all a wake-up call, that we're all mortal, that we will all one day die. Some of us may die from coronavirus, and that really means uh, 
drowning, your own lungs filling with liquid and not being able to breathe. I know you wanted to say a few extra words about drowning because this is something that you've dealt with. You almost drowned as a teenager. Your sister rescued you and you know what it is to not be able to breathe. Johnny, what's other, some more encouragement you can give us with regard to this idea of drowning? Well, Neil, as you describe it, it really does sound so fearful to our listeners. I know even me listening to you talk about the, you know, the, the, the idea of drowning as a result of contracting this virus, it is very frightening. But aren't you, just, aren't you just grateful to God that when you know Jesus Christ, one of the first things he does is he removes fear. There's no reason to fear, because Jesus, if he died for us, oh my goodness, he is so trustworthy, of course he has our best interests at heart. And if we are going to die a, quote, uh, fearsome death, then he will give us grace. He will give us peace of heart and mind at that moment, and not a moment before. Um, And often, uh, sometimes, we wrestle as to why God would allow something so awful like this coronavirus. But I keep thinking of Jesus' comment in Luke chapter 14. His disciples were asking him, well, what about that tower in Siloam that killed 18 people? You know, what was all that about? And I love the response the Lord Jesus gives. He says to his disciples, they weren't worse offenders than any others who lived in Jerusalem. No, but here's the point. Repent, or you will all likewise perish. You know, the, the, the tragedy is not being killed by a tower falling on top of you. The tragedy is not being... Uh, have your life taken because of a coronavirus and all of its awful implications. The tragedy is if these things happen to you and you have not repented and not have embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So again, uh, this, this coronavirus, this pandemic, it's God's way of grabbing us by our spiritual shoulders and giving us a good hard shake. Have you made your peace with God? Are you ready to meet me in eternity, or will you face the gates of hell on the other side of, 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 of eternity? So what are you going to do? And this is the whole point behind Luke 13. And I hope our listening friends, um, all of us, that we pause and stop, examine, look at our hearts. Do we know Christ? Are we prepared to meet God? Life is so brief. The book of James says, what are you? You're a bit of smoke, a wisp of vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. Look at those 18 killed under that tower in Siloam. Uh, that could happen to any of us. So Jesus' words to us, be prepared. Be ready to meet God at any moment. Johnny, the idea of repentance, sometimes we can have a tendency to think about that as some sort of compulsion that God is putting on us. Repent. Uh, so that you will have eternal life. But there's another way of looking that, repentance as an invitation from God to leave behind those things that have bound us and held us back and kept us in shackles and being free from those things so that we might enjoy eternal life. What are your thoughts on the way we sometimes misinterpret that word and we ought to recognize that God has good things for us? Well, absolutely. Repentance is never a bad thing. Never. Because repentance is looking at your life and realizing, 
oh my goodness, I am going the wrong way. Repentance involves a change of mind and a change of heart. It involves turning around, doing an about-face, 180 degrees on the opposite direction, and saying, I'm going to put behind my old habits, my old way of living, and I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. He knows best. I want him to be boss of my life. That's what repentance is. And that's a great thing. That's a good thing. The, the, The Christian gospel is all about Jesus rescuing us from ourselves. We are often our own worst enemy, but Jesus is in this miraculous business of rescuing us from ourselves by sometimes waking us up out of our spiritual slumber with an ice-cold splash of suffering or maybe coronavirus in the face so that we might seriously consider his lordship in our lives. And it's always a good thing to be woken up spiritually out of your spiritual slumber and get following Jesus the way we the way we should. Johnny, talking about suffering, talking about hardship, and we don't need coronavirus to remind us that suffering and hardship are already a part of people's lives. It might make things even harder going through those hardships and what comes along with the economic crisis that accompanies the health crisis of coronavirus. But lots of people just like you and a quadriplegic in a wheelchair more than 50 years, you could be saying, why doesn't God just stop this? If God loves me, if God was truly a loving God, why would he allow me to be in a wheelchair? Why would he have allowed me in the first place to have become a quadriplegic? And lots of people will say, what about all of my tough circumstances right now? Why doesn't God just jump in and intervene? How do you respond to people when they say to you, you know, why isn't God just coming in and putting an end to all these hardship things? Well, there's two things here, Neil. Number one, a broken neck or a coronavirus is God's wake-up call. It's his alarm clock. When these things happen, awful as they are, they're God's way of saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. It causes us to think twice about our eternal destiny, that, that this parade of life as we know it, with all of its comforts, is not going to go on as we would like it for all of eternity. No, there is a time of recollection. We have to face the fact that, yep, soon and very soon, we are going to face uh, the God who made us and created us. So it's one thing, uh, just knowing that suffering um, is God's choicest way of waking us up out of our spiritual slumber. But secondly, I think we need to remember that, that God is in control. He is sovereign. Yes, over the nations, over the kingdoms of this earth and the rulers of this earth, but he's also sovereign over every single solitary microbe. Not, not an atom in this universe escapes his dominion. He is in control. Now, we might not always understand his purposes. We often wonder, how could this terrible coronavirus be his will? Well, I asked that myself when I was first injured. How could a broken neck be his will? But I would answer it with the life of Jesus Christ himself. How in the world could it have been God's will for his own son to have to walk that blood-stained path to the cross? Uh, Sure, it meant our salvation, but it also meant treason, injustice, murder, torture. How can any of that fit into God's will? 
But God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. He took no pleasure in the cross of Jesus Christ, but when Satan inspired the events that led up to the crucifixion, he, he slit his own throat because the world's worst murder then became the world's only salvation. And God is always in the business of aborting devilish schemes to serve his own ends and accomplish his own purposes. He is in charge. Now, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe Satan was behind my broken neck. I have no idea. But if he was, God aborted that devilish scheme to serve his own ends and accomplish his purposes, and God used that broken neck to turn a headstrong, stubborn young girl into a woman who, by his grace, would know something of perseverance, patience, endurance, a love of the Word, a buoyancy in prayer, a lively hope of heaven, a compassion for people who hurt and others with disabilities, and I could go on and on. So, Neil, and this is an important point, God permits all sorts of things he does not approve of, but one day he is going to give us the key that's going to unlock sense out of what now seems to be senseless suffering, and oh, what a glorious day that will be when we see that grand mosaic which right now hurts us, and we're troubled by it, and we don't understand it. But then we will see the, the top side of that tangled embroidery, as Tante Cori Tengu used to talk about. And we will see God's plan and purpose in all of its beauty and in all of its glorious design. And I can't wait. Johnny, there's a certain reorientation that we need to have here, because those of us in particular who are suffering right now, or those of us who know someone who is, or we're anticipating that as things get worse, we may well be finding ourselves in the midst of suffering. There's all sorts of emotions. There's a roller coaster of emotions, being angry, uh, fighting issues around depression, uh, even people who are having suicidal thoughts because life's not working out the way they thought it would, even those doubts that Christians have about faith in God. There is a reorientation I can hear you saying here, and, uh, you know, God is sovereign. So in where in our ability to adjust our own attitude here, to get on God's page, that makes all the difference. Is that the sort of thing that you find yourself encouraging people? That, you know, it's all right to be angry, but who are you angry with? You, if At least you can be angry with God. But give us some insights here into how you might reorientate so you can make sense of the suffering that you might find yourself in the middle of. Well, if our listeners, or if our listeners are angry with God... One word of advice, do not sow discord about his good name. Do not badmouth his good name, but have the courage to take your anger to God himself. And if it's not anger, if it's depression or anxiety or discouragement, take that to God. It's what I do every morning, Neil. When I wake up, believe me, I do not like being paralyzed. It is hard. And you add to it chronic pain. When I wake up in the morning, I think to myself, oh, God, I can't do this. I have no strength for this. I cannot go on. But I can't do quadriplegia, yet you, I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. And so, in a way, our weaknesses, that is, our anger, our depression, our anxieties, our fear, can be an asset, because these can be the very things that drive us to God every single morning when we say, I can't do this. I can't handle anymore. I can't live life this way. But Jesus, you can. 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I, I want to live by you. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. So show up big time in my life today and give me power to live the life that you've called me to live. I have no smile for the day that you do. So please, God, let me borrow your smile. And this is, what, this is what it means, as the Apostle Paul says, to boast in your affliction, delight in your infirmity, glory in your limitation, for then, then you know God's power rests on you. So the anger, depression, discouragement, turn it Godward. Go to God tomorrow morning and confess it all and say, I can't do it. I can't handle it. But God, you can. And I'm going to step out into this day trusting that you will give me strength. I think that's the Christian way to live, Neil. That's the biblical way to live. That's the, that's the only way to live. So we see our circumstances as an asset. Hey, one of our listeners who's responded to our Facebook question today, the one about, you know, when it's hard to breathe. Well, Christy says, I've been in that place when I cannot breathe. After a horrific car accident and in the recovery afterwards that seemed to take forever and still affects me today 20 years later, Johnny has been such an encouragement to me, she says. I'm out of my wheelchair now, and I'm even able to coach my six-year-old's basketball team. But it's the mental anguish that's the hardest to live with. What are your thoughts for Christy? And I, I suspect around this whole idea of the mental anguish, that when you've gone through suffering and you're trying to recover. What are your thoughts here, Johnny? Well, Romans chapter 12, the very first verse says, don't be conformed to this world, but allow God to renew your mind from within. And Neil, the best way our friends can get rid of that mental anxiety is, as I just said a moment ago, wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, I'm anxious. God, I'm fearful. God, I've got memories that are haunting me every night. God, I I don't know how to live. And then ask him, by the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to step out into the day. Let's not be fearful of these haunting memories and and anxious feelings. Let's bring them to the Lord Jesus, not only for cleansing, but we have to step out and believe and trust and start living uh, and not being held captive by these emotions, but start living and moving forward into the day by the power of the Lord Jesus. Neil, I, I, I would encourage uh, our listeners, if they have other questions, I would love for them to connect with me on our website at johnnyandfriends.org. And if some of our friends listening have disabilities, I would encourage them to find Elevate Christian Disability Trust Australia on their Facebook page, because there are resources, there are insights, there's so many uh, good helps to assist people in moving forward through suffering, even when it's hard. That website, johnnyandfriends.org, founded back in 1979 to accelerate ministry to the disability community, johnnyandfriends.org. Want to play another one of your songs here before we wrap things up, because I'd love to get your thoughts and your insights. I want to play a beautiful song that you recorded, Johnny, called Hallelujah, What a Saviour. I wonder whether you can introduce that for us as we play that song and you've released many albums but uh, that particular song hallelujah what a savior uh, any special words as we introduce that song well uh, real, real real quickly um 
I was in the hospital, depressed, discouraged, and I wanted to cry at 2 o'clock in the morning, but um, there was nobody around to wipe my tears. One night, um, my girlfriend came sneaking into the hospital room at 2 a.m., climbed up onto the hospital mattress and laid next to me and snuggled and sang very softly so as to not awaken my roommates this beautiful, beautiful hymn that you're going to hear. And what she gave me was the presence of Jesus Christ, the experience of Jesus Christ. She didn't preach at me. She didn't throw Bible verses at me. She became, she embodied the gospel of Jesus. And when people were suffering, they are thirsty and hungry for other Christians who will do just that, become the gospel in the midst of their pain. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined with sin to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a I know that listeners who are doing it tough, going through hardship and suffering and experiencing pain right now, uh, you will have a tear in your eye. Johnny Erickson Tata is our guest, live from the US. Johnny, just a couple of minutes remaining in our conversation. We mentioned the circumstances that we're in. We ought to see those as circumstances that God has allowed us to be in and to make the most of the circumstances. 
you started Johnny and Friends a long time ago, and there's all sorts of wonderful things that are a part of the programs that you run. You have a radio program, Johnny and Friends, a daily five-minute radio program heard on a thousand broadcast outlets, no doubt, beyond the US and around the world. You've got a Wounded Warrior program that offers family retreats. You even do wheelchairs for the world that collects wheelchairs and are refurbished by prison inmates and donated to people in developing nations where physical therapists fit each chair to the needy, disabled child or an adult. Wonderful things that you've been able to do. Any thoughts on people who are thinking right now, suffering, struggling, even angry, depressed, about taking the circumstances that they're in and offering those to God to look for the opportunities. What are your thoughts quickly? Well, I'll share Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. And here's a verse for all my listening friends who are struggling. The Bible says, this is what the Bible tells you to do. Listen to this. For he who, for he who walks in darkness and has not a single ray of light... Let him trust in the name of the Lord, his God. So right there you have it. These are dark times, difficult times, and we're looking for light and hope. But right there, Isaiah the prophet, centuries ago, told us all, if you're walking in darkness, if you don't have a single ray of light in your life, reach out for the hand of Jesus. Reach out for the name of the Lord Most High. He's your good shepherd. He is your foundation. He's your king. He's the friend of sinners. He is your hope and salvation. He is the peacemaker. He gives joy. He's the Lord of joy. He's so many things to all of us. And I would encourage my listening friends to pray for us at Johnny and Friends as we deliver wheelchairs around the world to needy disabled people and give the good news of Jesus and as we hold retreats for special needs families and developing nations. And of course, I would want to hear from our listeners. If my words today, Neil, have encouraged and uplifted any of our listening friends, I would love to hear about it. And you can contact me at johnnyandfriends.org slash help and inspiration. Just go on our website and click on the help and inspiration tab. johnnyandfriends.org. And we have run out of time, but let me just say our Facebook question today that asks, is there anything else that matters when it's hard to breathe? 34% said yes, 66% said no. And what we did come to as a conclusion on that question, the only thing that matters is being right with God. And uh, we've looks like we've lost Johnny. But uh, just what a wonderful opportunity it's been over the past hour to enjoy uh, great insights from Johnny Erickson Tarder. And uh, Johnny, uh, I know you'll hear this later. Thank you so much for being part of Australia and uh, appreciation from all of us for your insights today here on 2020. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 